Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and before we get started, I have a correction. Last week, I said the book The Greatest Generation was by Peter Brokaw, but it was actually by Tom Brokaw. I have no idea where I got the idea. It was Peter. Sorry, Tom. And thanks to all the listeners who pointed out the problem. And now I have a meaty middle about phrases we still say, even though they're from old or obsolete technology. Have you ever wondered about the origin of CC, a setting you likely use when sending an email message? Perhaps you're also curious about why the word dime appears in drop a dime on someone and dime store. Well, before smartphones, tablets, computers, and printers, there were typewriters, first manual and then electric. The first mention of a patent for something resembling a typewriter occurred in 1714, during the reign of Queen Anne in Britain. Mr. Henry Mill, an engineer, received a patent for, quote, an artificial machine or method for the impressing or transcribing of letters singly or progressively, one after another, as in writing, unquote. This invention apparently went nowhere because the next mention of a typewriter-related patent came more than 100 years later in 1829 in America. Manual typewriters didn't become practical until the late 1800s, and by 1909, typewriters were so popular that 89 manufacturers in America were producing them. Typewriters were certainly an improvement on writing out everything by hand, but they did have limitations. Unlike with a printer these days, you couldn't just print copies of something if you were using a typewriter. And that leads us to the origin of CC, which stands for carbon copy. If you were typing something and wanted another copy, you'd put a piece of carbon paper between two sheets of regular paper. What you typed would be copied onto the second piece of paper. The term carbon paper first appeared between 1875 and 1880. And carbon copy followed, coming into use between 1890 and 1895. The phrase CC, meaning to send a duplicate as far as business correspondence, appeared in 1936. You can now use CC as a verb, as in I CC'd everyone in my department. The word CC'd can be spelled either CC apostrophe D or CC apostrophe ED, with or without the E. Another holdover from typewriters is underlining. These days, editors don't recommend using underlining for titles or to emphasize words. Instead, you can use italics or quotation marks for titles, depending on which style guide you follow, and bold for emphasis. In the days of typewriters, though, you couldn't make text italics or bold. Typists had to go back and underline titles and emphasized words. Rotary phones and pay phones are two other old or obsolete technologies. For those of you who don't know what a rotary phone is, it's an old-style telephone with a round dial. The numbers 0 through 9 appeared at a circle, as on a clock, and over each number was a metal plate that had round holes. For each number in a phone number, users put a finger in the appropriate round hole and moved their finger clockwise to dial the number. It took a while to dial a seven-digit number. These days, we don't actually dial a phone, unless we're using a very old telephone. However, we still use the word dial to mean call in expressions such as dial 911. People also used to make calls from pay phones, but these have fallen out of favor. 
According to an AT&T press release from December 5, 2007, the first phone booth in America appeared in Connecticut in 1890, and there were 2.6 million payphones in the United States until 1998, when payphone use started to decline. Phone calls using payphones first cost a nickel, and then in the 1950s, a dime. The cost kept rising. Now, if you can find a payphone, it costs about 50 cents per call. Despite this inflated price, we still use the phrase to drop a dime on someone. This means to inform on someone, and the use of the word dime in this phrase comes from how much it cost to make a payphone call back in the 1960s. Dimes don't buy as much these days, but we still use the word in various other phrases. For example, you might hear someone say, it's a dime a dozen, which means almost worthless. You'll also hear the phrase dime store. Country music fans might know Carrie Underwood's song Church Bells from her Storyteller album, released in 2015. In this song, a low-income woman wearing a dime store dress catches the eye of a rich oil man. Starting in the late 19th century and early 20th century, shoppers could find various low-cost items at the dime store, also known as the 10-cent store or the five-and-dime. Items cost as little as five or ten cents. Well, prices aren't that low now, of course, but in 1929, for example, a dime could buy goods that in 2017 cost $1.41. The year 1929 might ring a bell to those of you who know some history. On October 29, 1929, the U.S. stock market crashed and the Great Depression began. A 1932 song that became an anthem for that time was Brother, Can You Spare a Dime? Many people couldn't. These days, we don't actually shop at dime stores. Rather, thanks to inflation, we go to dollar stores. Maybe in a hundred years or so, people will shop at ten dollar stores. Before we finish, here are a few other common words or phrases that have origins in old things. When you want to record a TV show, you might say, I need to tape that. The verb tape to refer to recording on a tape came into use in 1950. Nowadays, videotapes are obsolete. As technology progressed, we refer to recording shows in various other manners, including DVR from 1998 and TiVo from 2000. It's not so common now to TiVo something, but we do still DVR shows. Now we also stream. Our last obsolete technology phrase is food stamps. This phrase refers to nutrition assistance to the needy, and it was first used between 1935 and 1940. Individuals received actual stamps that were orange or blue. Nowadays, the federal program that provides such assistance is abbreviated SNAP, which stands for Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. No actual stamps are given out anymore. Rather, recipients use a benefits card. Our trip down memory lane is over, who knows what current technology will be obsolete yet featured in English in the future? Let me know if you have ideas. That segment was written by Bonnie Mills, author of The Curious Case of the Misplaced Modifier, who blogs at sentencesleuth.blogspot.com. This week, thanks to Twitter user WHS McGee, who says she's a high school and community college English teacher and listens while she's on the treadmill in Joliet, Illinois. And thanks to Mike, who posted a picture to the Grammar Girl Facebook group. It's of his daughter, who dressed up as Grammar Girl to go to a superhero murder mystery dinner. 
She's adorable, and it made my day. I don't know of anyone who's dressed up as Grammar Girl outside of Halloween or National Grammar Day, so it was a big surprise. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. If you need to know AP style, check out my webinar at Reagan Communications. I'll put a link to get it in the show description for this episode. You should be able to see that on your phone or wherever you're listening to the podcast. And the webinar is great for you and your colleagues to watch together to improve your writing. Grammar Girl is part of the Quick and Dirty Tips podcast network, and if you're looking for another good listen this week, The Savvy Psychologist has a great podcast about how to deal with judgment and haters. Fortunately, everyone who told me about my Peter Brokaw, Tom Brokaw mistake was nice this week, but I'm sure The Savvy Psychologist tips will come in handy in the future, because for all of us, haters gonna hate, 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 and there are better coping mechanisms than just shake it off, shake it off. That's all. Thanks for listening.